0: Okay. Pull out your message. Notes. I want to dive into a message tonight. Um, I, you know, it's a little bit different on first Wednesdays. I really, I'm going to just talk to you about some stuff that I feel like God has really placed on my heart. The name of the message, if I were to title it, is Thriving in a Burnout Culture. Wow. Thriving in a Burnout Culture. And so, yeah, the title, you're like, come on, somebody. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, for us as Christians and as people, we're living in such a fast-paced world. Between work, everybody's working overtime, uh, I mean, you've got friends that are pulling on, you've got family, I mean, No school activities alone would drive you insane. Uh, and then on top of that, if you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, that means you're engaged in the body of Christ, which is the church, and so you're trying to manage all these spinning wheels and you're trying not to get burned out because the challenge is not how you start the challenge is how we finish and I don't want to start strong but not finish strong and now pastoring this church for six amazing years we celebrated six years last weekend wasn't it awesome to celebrate the six years so great and thank you to the team and everybody that helped pull that off and you know, but what I've seen is there's really two types of people. There's two categories of people that I've seen. Now, I'm just talking about those that have had a salvation experience or profession of faith. Or uh, So they say they have. So these are the people that say, God's touched me. I'm engaging in the church. The first type of person is someone that gets on fire for God. He saves them, touches their life. They have a profession of faith. They get engaged in the church. It's amazing. They're posting on Instagram and Facebook. They were living this life. Now they're living this life. And it's awesome. People are watching and it's like, wow, there's real life change. But then over time, sometimes not so long, six months, sometimes a year, sometimes two years, what you'll see in this person is they begin to burn out so the fire of god was there and it was good but then all of a sudden they start to go back to their old life they're pulled back to the old lifestyle and they're no longer around the church and having been at this church for six years and planted it from the ground up it breaks my heart to see that type of person you know when you say hi to them out on the streets and you know they're not going anywhere and it's like i just love you i had a conversation just the other day and i'm like are you going anywhere they said no i'm like well listen You gotta come back then. Like, if God didn't pull you somewhere, then the devil robbed you out of where God placed you. Like, something has happened. And it breaks my heart. And then you got the other type that they give their life to Jesus. Um, You know, they're on fire, and it doesn't stop six months or two years or six years. They stay on fire. Not perfect, but they're in the will of God. They're, they're, They're in the church. They're doing the things they're supposed to do. And over the life of their lives, they have stayed engaged with the work of God for their life. And just in six years, I've seen that. You see people begin to flourish. They're, they're, they're a part of the church, and they go deeper, and they start leading, and now they're impacting, and, and you see God expanding their impact. And there's a difference between the first person and the second person. And my job and my responsibility, and I felt the real call tonight, is to help us be that second type of person to be the one that is the fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, because at the end of the day, you have to know the devil's real, he's trying to pick you off, he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's gonna do whatever he can to do it. So my job is to feed you with the word of God and to equip you so that you can make the right decisions, but I can't make the decisions for you, I can just equip you. That's what I wanna do tonight. And there's a verse that I have been pondering, it's been about a month and a half, two months, And I want to start off there tonight. It's Psalms 92, verse 12 through 15. uh, And it's going to begin this conversation of how is it that I thrive and make sure I don't get burned out. Verse 12 says, the righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. flourish. So flourish, prosper. It's going to grow, lush. It's going to be amazing. And look at what he compares it. He says, it's like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. So I'm going to flourish like a palm tree, and I'm going to grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Then verse 13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. How many want to be old, still bearing fruit for God? I don't know about you. You push me in my wheelchair, in my rocker, my wet cane, whatever. I want to produce fruit till the moment I die. And so he's saying here, look, the righteous will flourish. They will be strong. They will grow. And they're going to produce and bear fruit. Even in old age, they're going to stay fresh and green. That means I'm going to be alive. I'm going to have life and vitality. And he says, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Now, I love the imagery that is given here. When you talk about a palm tree, we wouldn't know a whole lot about that here in Texas. Um, But the palm branches are pretty amazing. We saw uh, this in the Bible when Jesus was greeted by the people in his triumphant entry into the city when people laid down palm branches. The reason they did that is that's a symbol of victory. That's the symbol of success. It's the symbol of triumph. And so the palm tree is very lush It actually lives very, very long. And so when the Bible uses this, he's talking about longevity, victory, and triumph. How many want to have that in your life? Longevity, victory, and triumph. Now, he talks about the cedars of Lebanon. Now, you wouldn't know what that looks like. But when you do the study, the cedars of Lebanon would actually grow up to 120 feet high and about 30 feet wide. Come on. How many know that is a big tree? And so the symbolic meaning of that is that it would be strong, that it would be solid, that it would be immovable. So think about your life. How many want to have a solid life? How many want to be strong? How many want to be immovable in the midst of the storm? That no matter what storm comes your way, I'm immovable. I'm not going to be moved in my life. And so when you study this out, what we're seeing is that these two trees are representative of what God wants us as Christians to experience. He wants us to thrive. And another thing about these two trees is that they actually thrive all year long. It's not a cycle like the summers, they bud, and the winters, they die. No, no, it is all year long, and so God wants us to thrive all year long. It's a picture of the Christian life. I want Christians to flourish. I want them to grow spiritually. I want them to be immovable in the midst of a storm. I want them to experience victory, not just occasionally, but I want their life to be marked by victory. I want them to thrive so we look at that now here's the unfortunate part about that is when you look at christians in general how many know this is not a picture of the average christian's life instead of thriving they're withering They're barely making it. Instead of connected, they're barren. Instead of being fruitful, they have no kind of fruit in their life. Instead of having prosperity and the blessings of God, they're stressed out. They're freaking out. Instead of being fulfilled, they're trying to find some kind of purpose in life. It's almost the opposite because the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy God's plan for your life. So we got to recognize this, that, okay, there is this plan that God has for my life. Now, how is it that I can thrive? I want to be a part of God's plan. I want to make sure that my life looks like the palm tree, looks like the cedars of Lebanon. And when you go back to verse 13, he actually gives us the key. Look at verse 13. He says, planted. Everybody say, planted. 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 The key to thriving in a burnout culture is that i have got to be planted if i want to look like the cedars of lebanon and the palm trees then what i got to do is i got to be i got to be i got to be planted that means the seed of my life has to be consumed with the body of christ look at what he says he says the house of the lord so what's he talking about the local church not just planted like, God, I love you. You know, here's a challenge, and, and probably one of the biggest challenge to Christianity is hyper-Christianity. And let me just explain. That's this, hey, I don't have to go to this church. I can go to any church because I love Jesus, and Jesus is awesome, and he loves me, and the body of Christ at large is, hey, they accept me anywhere, and I can go here, and I can go there, and I can go there. Well, that's true, but how would a plant do if in any soil, because plants exist in any soil? You said, yeah, that's awesome, but I'm going to move you to this side, and I'm going to move you to that side, and I'm going to move you over here. Oh, because all soils will help this plant grow that's true but you'll never have a healthy plant that's the problem with the hyper christianity i'm not saying that god is not in every church what i am saying is that you're supposed to be planted in a single church one church one church planted why because i need to thrive Planted, why? Because I want victory. Planted, why? Because I want to be the example for the world to see. And you cannot do that if you constantly transplant from one place to the other. The reason God calls us to do that is because He wants our roots to go deep so that you can weather the storms that He knows is already going to come to your life. It's not whether or not a storm's coming. How many know storms are coming in your life? So he's saying, look, I need you to get planted because when the storm comes, that cedar of Lebanon is not going to be moved because it's 30 feet wide and it's 120 feet tall. And there are so many shallow Christians that keep hopping around and the storms come, but had you stayed where God planted you, you would have the root system to support your strength to grow tall and wide that no storm the devil ever brought would knock your life out. Now, here's the caveat. The caveat is going to church is not being planted in church. Going to church does not mean you're planted in the church. So don't mistake it. Any more than me sitting in a garage makes me a car. So we can dress up religion, but that doesn't mean that I'm planted. You know, here's the difference. Someone says, that's my church, I'm planted. Well, if your mentality is, hey, are we going to church this week? You're probably not planted. If you look to your spouse and say, hey, baby, we going this Sunday? I don't know, baby, how do you feel? I don't know, how do you feel? It's been a long week. I don't think so. Why don't we live stream it? You're probably not planted. Because here's the thing. Look, I don't mind, and we got a whole crowd of people at our church that they can come and go and that's also. I'm not talking to the crowd tonight. I'm talking to the core. I'm talking to people that want to be like a palm tree and like the tree, the cedar of Lebanon. And the truth is we've got to accept the responsibility that I am the church. So if I'm not at church, church ain't happening in me. I'm not planted in the church if I'm not there and I can't just sit there. I got to be engaged in what the church is doing. Whatever that church's mission is, God's called me to push that mission forward. Whatever the plan is, God's called God called me to push the plan forward. So why do I know you're supposed to be in small groups? Because you're at this church. How do I know you're supposed to go to Next Steps? Because you're at this church. God planted you here. So what we have in Next Steps, you need so that you can go tall and wide that's why you have to not allow the enemy to say oh you're planted that's your church no baby once a month don't mean this is your home church you're planted now you may call me your pastor you may call this your church but my question is are you engaged in the vision of this church that's how you get planted in a church it's how you get planted it's how you get planted you know the here here ought to be the conversation so hey we're going to church um, the assumption is, hey, I know so and so sick. What do we got to do? Because we're still going to church. I, I know you worked overtime, but what you need me to do? We got to shuffle kids because we're going to. So, so the mentality of someone that's planted, the assumption is I always go to church. It's my life. It's, it's not a part of what we do. It is what we do. It is us. We are the church. I'm planted. I'm planted. I'm planted. I'm planted. Okay, I don't mean to be meddling. You guys good? Y'all good? Okay. All right, I'm just telling you what God really spoke to me to come in. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8. Look at this. And then I've got just three quick points. Because God loves three. It's the (laughs) Trinity. Jeremiah 17, 8. They are like trees planted. Everybody say planted. Planted. There's a theme along the riverbank with roots that reach. Can't be deep if I'm transplanting. Can't be deep if I'm church hopping. Listen, can I just tell you, do not be deceived by someone who says they're spiritual, but they go to different churches all the time. I'm just telling you, listen, and this is your pastor speaking. I'm just telling you, let me be your pastor. I remember people told me that our church wasn't deep. Oh, you're not deep. Why? Because you don't prophesy on a Sunday. You're not deep. Why? Because you don't pray in tongues. I'm spirit-filled. So I just need everybody to know I'm spirit-filled. I have a prayer language. I pray all the time in my prayer language. But I don't pray in my prayer language to the lost unless there's a word of knowledge. Like there's there's a time and a place. That's why we have the freedom conference for people to come and experience freedom and be filled. There's a time and a place. And if I'm trying to reach the lost, I got to be relevant to the lost. And so at the end of the day, I I never forget. So you're not deep. What makes deep? We don't have flags. No, I came out of that. I got it. I raised the flag, baby. I did the holy. I got (laughs) you. Is that what you want me to do, to be spiritual? I got it. I know half of y'all, too. We's out there. We's, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Y'all remember that? I got it. So is that what makes me spiritual? Or, <laughs> or listen, is what makes me spiritual helping people take steps on their spiritual journey? Like, what makes me spiritual is the fact that you're not where you were yesterday. You're in a different place today. You're going to be in a different place tomorrow and the next day. That's what makes you spiritual. I hate to say it. Like, if we, we, if we judge just by the experience of what we say is spiritual, but there's no real life change. Okay, you're spiritual, but why are you mean as the devil at the restaurant? Where's the love? I don't need that kind of spirituality. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to get into that. I don't even know where I got it. Spiritual. Oh, anyway. Roots. That's where I got into. Roots. That <laughs> reached deep. Wednesday nights are fun. All right. Deep into the water. So here's the deal. You, you got to be planted in a church that loves God, that's passionate about God. And I don't think you'll find a church that loves God. I mean, we love God. Our mentality is, God, whatever you want to do, do it in this church. Whatever. So you got to be in the water, the living water of God. Such trees are not bothered. Check it out. By the heat and a word, by the long months of drought. Think about this. That means that in the dryness of life, because how many know life gets dry? I'm not going to wither away. I recognize it's a season and I don't make moves on my emotions because I'm planted in a church. I didn't feel like going to church, but it don't matter. Can I tell you? I go to church because I am planted. So the withering of life's trials can come and my emotions could be stirred up. But when you're planted, I've made a decision that says I do it whether I feel it or not. Well, then the storm of life passes and then I'm back to where God had me. I didn't move because of emotion. I don't drift because of the dryness of life, the drought that life can bring us. And i got to tell you, there's times God don't speak. And that's okay. But you got to be planted and rooted and, and stay connected to the source of God, which is the church. Look at verse 8. It says, then their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. I think that's amazing. That in the dryness of drought, you never stop producing. That even when you begin to feel like, God, I don't know if you got me here. God, I don't even know if I'm making a difference. God, I don't even know if people are listening to me. I don't even know if this word makes any sense. I don't even know if I like pastor. I don't know if I like Vanessa. I don't know if I like the worship. But God, in that moment, I can still be open and honest and say, look, in the dryness of emotions, I can still produce fruit because I'm planted in the house of my God and I, I know we kind of go to the opposite extreme but I'm just telling you you can think well all the emotions determine whether or not you produce fruit that's not what the Bible says it's not about how you feel it's not about that it's about being planted in the church so how do we stay planted just three things first things you got to resolve in your heart you got to resolve in your heart So Barnabas in Acts chapter 11 verse 23, he's in Antioch and they're seeing the lost saved. And so he is speaking now. He's going to encourage the church. Masses of people are coming to know Jesus. And look what it says. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. So it is the grace of God that men are saved. Let me just tell you, we respond because God has reached out to us. The grace of God consumes us. Salvation takes place. And so here, the grace of God is evident. He was glad. He was encouraging them. And this is what he does. He says, I want you to remain true to the Lord with a firm, resolve." of heart firm resolve of heart now if I'm going to stay true to the Lord I've got to love what the Lord loves I've got to be a part of what God has come for us to establish and if you know anything about God the thing that he came for is people he came to establish his church which is his bride he loves the local church He's coming back for his bride. And so that means as a Christian, I got to love the bride. Now, I know that people have been hurt by church and say, well, that church hurt me. I I got it. But you still got to love the church because that's the bride of Christ. He's passionate about the local church. We got to love what he loves. We got to build what he builds. That's how come when you discover your purpose. Listen, people say, well, I discovered my purpose. Yes, that's awesome. Use your talents in the world, but invest your gifts in the kingdom. Because what you build for the kingdom is what establishes for eternity. I would hate for you to do a lot of good things but not go into heaven which the Bible talks about eternal rewards and it's not based on salvation but it is based on my good works that when I obey God I receive the treasures of God that will be established for all of eternity so I give back to the kingdom of God through the church of God. Does that make sense? I'm building his church. I resolve in my heart. I'm not going to to step away from what he loves because of pain in my heart or something that has happened in the past. And it takes really, I would boil it down to this. When you say, what do you mean resolve in my heart? It really boils down to a quality decision. Quality decision. Quality decision. So, I mean, if you've been married and uh, you you have a spouse, how many know you made a quality decision? And so here's the challenge, right? Like when you get engaged, woo, you know where I'm going. You get engaged, it is quality. Woo, she is, mm. he is, mm. and somebody say something like, "I'm not sure about." It. No, 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 no. That's my, that's my prince charming. That's, that's my princess. That's my queen. Somebody called his, his fiance uh, queen. I was like, okay, yeah, we gonna be running the house. They. <laughs> Quality decision until they get married and the storms of marriage come. And fifty percent of people say I made a bad decision, one a quality decision, but it's not based on the decision they made, it's based on the commitment they had. Because it was a quality decision in the beginning, but now we can't work it out, so we just made a bad decision. Quality decision quality. The the beautiful thing about quality decision, listen, if you're married or maybe you've had a a second marriage, look, we love you. We embrace you. It's awesome. Just let this be your final marriage. Come on, somebody, whatever it is. Uh, But the beauty of a marriage that lasts when you go and do the study, the only way they last is if both people say we're committed to life. We're committed. And uh, Phyllis and I, you know, we, we've had ups and downs just like everybody else. We're pretty transparent. You know, we, we're in counseling. We started some counseling a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was the church or my wife or me. I don't know, but I needed some counseling and started some counseling. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting, the, the one thing that the counselor noted was that we had to take this survey, and it's like, how likely are you to stay in this marriage? You know, frustrations, and you tell the things. And, and it was 1 through 10. Well, of course, it's a 10. And, and, and I just assumed we were in the meeting, and I just said, well, the deal is we got to work it out because we're doing this thing for life, and I don't want to be miserable. Come on, somebody. Like, when you're, you're doing it in life, and I said, I'm sure that's what she put was a 10, kind of asking, not asking. Like, <laughs> sure it was a 10, right? And he said, no. He said, you both had a 10. He said, that's the excellent starting point of this has to work because we're fully committed. We made a quality decision and we're sticking to it. Well, here's the challenge with churches. It's a quality decision when I lead you to the Lord. Like, Jesus is moving, and this is the thing that breaks my heart. God touched it in the place. We're, We're singing worshiping. You're responding. We've had thousands of people come to know Jesus. It's a quality decision. You're all in. You start to go to next steps. You start going to small groups, and then somebody says something to you, and they hurt you, and they offend you. And it didn't have nothing to do with me. The other day, I heard someone left the church, and you know, it always breaks my heart. I mean, it's going to happen. There's a natural 5% attrition. I get it. But I said, why did you leave? It had nothing to do with here was the words. I love you, pastor. I love this, but da, 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 da. And I thought, isn't it interesting how the devil has come to steal? To kill and to destroy. That one conversation from someone who may or may not even have been a leader, it got to recognize it wasn't even about the conversation. It was about the devil trying to rob you from being planted so that you can't be strong like the cedars of Lebanon and flourish like the palm trees. So you resolve in your heart that I don't care if Pastor Brian acknowledged me, maybe Ashley or Phyllis or Pastor. Pastor didn't say hi. Or my, and if you're at the gym, I'm probably not going to say hi to you. Just say saying. They, uh, but the reality is every little thing, I'm usually in a zone. Somebody's like, that was weird. That's so weird. <laughs> just because I'm focused. <laughs> It's the resolve of, i made a quality decision, and here's what I would say. You don't leave until God leads you out to the next place. And God will never cause you to leave without going to another assignment. And that's where we have to be careful that we don't allow the circumstance... To cause us to get unrooted and unplanted in the soil that God has for us. You you, you can't have any demands on God's. When you're planted, you can't have any ultimatums. Listen to me. Your ultimatums won't work. I was talking to somebody today about ultimatums that just don't work for God. Like, if this happens, I'm leaving the church. You're not planted. No, you could be serving on the dream team. You can be going to small groups, but I got to tell you, a planted person says, God, I surrender fully. And planted means I can't even uproot myself. God has to uproot myself. An ultimatum says, if they don't do this, if he doesn't do that, I am going to uproot myself. Not recognizing that even sometimes it's not even the devil. God will allow someone to offend you because he's working on some things that you've got to work on so you can experience the freedom that he needs you to experience. So you can bring that freedom to your world, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community. So I can't say if, if pastor says everything I agree with, then I'm going to stay here. Well, that's an ultimatum. What if I don't say something that you like? What if I talk about money? What if I do talk about divorce? I mean, whatever it is, it's like at the end of the day, you don't have a right to transplant yourself. Why? Because I've made a resolve in my heart. Second thing is this. You've got to develop discipline in your life. This is not a great word. Listen, discipline is a tough word. Um, I I don't like discipline. I know it's interesting. My mom and I were talking about it. I preached one day and said, I am the most undisciplined man you'll ever meet. And mom said, no, that's not true. And then she said, well, that's pretty true. (laughs) What you're seeing is the result of daily choices to become disciplined. But I promise you, when I was 19, when I was 21, I could sleep till 1 p.m. So all my my teenagers up in here, you're normal. All my 21-year-olds, all my young adults, like there's hope. There's hope. All the mamas and the daddies, there's hope. Pastor is living proof. There is hope that God can discipline someone who is undisciplined. But you got to develop discipline in your life. Discipline is doing what you don't want to do so you can become the person God's created you to be. I don't want to do it. You know, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, don't, don't you realize that you're in a race? I need you to know you're in a race. Yeah. And you're not competing with anybody else. You're competing with yourself. Yeah. The purpose God has. Look, you're going to stand before God. He's not going to judge you on what Pastor Jim did or your neighbor did. He's going to say, here's the plan I had for your life. And he's either going to say, you fulfilled it. Or he's going to say, here's what you did. Why didn't you do this other? I gave you gifts and talents and intelligence. I gave you resources. I put you in the right family. I did. So you're going to be responsible for the gap of what God wanted you to do versus what you actually did. So we're in a race. What you say matters. What you do matters. How you live your life matters. Being planted matters. He says, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are. Ooh, y'all don't even like to say the word. My God. <clears throat> That's Okay says, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. That's the eternal rewards. And there's a scripture, I wish I had it on me, but he says, we build on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. But you get to decide what you build on. Wood, hay, stubble, precious gems, gold. It's determined by what you do and how you live your life. So he said, look, you're not just trying to win an earthly prize. It's an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in a couple of my steps. Every step. You're like a couple. No, every. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. Now, this is Paul speaking, who wrote most of the New Testament, saying that I am an undisciplined person. In fact, I'm concerned that I'll disqualify myself. If Paul is saying that, how much more should we be aware that I have got to be disciplined in my life you got to learn to start doing hard things you know listen praying and i I don't care who you are praying is hard can i get an amen Amen. and everybody's like thank you pastor because everybody acts like i'm stupid like they like i'm an idiot like praying is hard have you ever tried to pray five minutes (laughs) you're like pastor it's been a little while no i'm just joking (laughs) your phone rings Everything that you forgot to do pops up in your mind. Come on, somebody. Like, oh my God, my baby is on the changing station. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) The gas is on on my stove and there's no fire. Like, everything that you should have done but didn't do comes to your mind. You know the the electric bill's gonna be late. Come on, somebody gets it turned off. You know every and you have to recognize that's the enemy. He is fighting against your prayer. So to, to act like prayer is not hard, I just need you to know prayers prayers hard for me. It's hard, but I got to do it. Reading your Bible's hard, but you got to do it. Why? That's the discipline. You will never change your life until the word of God gets in you to change you. It's got to change me so that then my life changes. I got to do hard things. Look, go into small group every week. I get it. It's hard. I, I got a small. I got two or three small groups, and it's like, whoop, They're already here, man. My goodness, it's awesome. And, and you can think, my God, I got to go every week. Well, no, you don't have to experience freedom every week. You could wait every other week, or you could wait every month. It's it's the process though that disciplines us. And and then what I realized was, I ain't got to do anything. I get to do something. At least I got a car and I got legs and I got life in my body. I got breath in my lungs. I get to go to a small group. You mean I got to go to all four steps? Why couldn't you make it two steps? Why not one step? Pastor, why so many steps? I don't know. That's how we did it. It It's four steps and you get to go to four steps. But it's hard. I know it's hard. That's why 87% of the Christians in the church never understand their purpose. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard. You wouldn't think going to four classes would be hard. It's hard. The average is what? Like, it takes people nine months to get through four classes here at our church. As much as I talk about those four classes. Isn't it nine months? Isn't that our status? How many? Nine, I thought it was like nine months is what we talked about. Our staff did all. I'm like, good Lord, it's four steps, four. No, I'm just joking. Somebody say it's hard. Say it again. Say it's hard. It's hard to serve on the dream team every week. Come on, somebody. It's hard to serve on the dream team every other week. It's hard to serve on the dream team every month. Why? Because you're doing something that your flesh doesn't want to do. But it's our job to position you so that you don't get into heaven saying, God, I made it into heaven, but I'm a pauper. I'm a poor person because I didn't fulfill the purpose you have in my life. It's hard. I get it. Listen, listen, I understand the demands on your family. I get it. There's demands on my family. But at the end of the day, we just teach our family that we are going forward towards God together. If we miss it, we're going to miss it moving forward. It's hard. There's a price that you have to pay, but reality is this. This life, James says, is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's here today. It's gone. And eternity is forever. And I don't want to be poor in heaven because I'm Missed it here on this earth because life was hard. So here's what I would tell you to get more planted. And I'm going to just make it simple for you. Be more disciplined than you were yesterday. Be more disciplined this week than you were last week. Be in a better place this year than you were last year. If you served once a month last year, you ought to be serving twice a month. You ought to be serving three times. Like you see, it begins to progress. If you prayed two days a week, you ought to be praying three days a week. I'm a proponent of a 1% rule. We're reading a book, Atomic Habits. and It was interesting. I don't know who taught it to me, but I read it in this book. And I thought, man, 1%. I just got to be 1% more disciplined today than I was yesterday. Well, then over now my mom is like, well, of course you're disciplined. Oh, wait, but a couple of years ago, you're not so much. It's the 1% rule. Okay, discipline. Third thing, last thing, and then I'm gonna let you go. You got to discover your purpose and focus on your why. So here's the thing, and this is what I've been I've been really praying about. It. We're good at focusing on our purpose. Like, we're good at discovering, like, okay, I'm a craftsman, so set up and tear down would be great. I'm an I, which means, you know, I'm an extrovert, and I love people. Maybe I'm good at greeting, or maybe I'm awesome at hosting kids in the children's department, and maybe I'm good at children's training. So we're good at helping you discover your purpose, but what I wonder is, do you understand and focus on your why? So, see, we understand the what, But the what is not what causes me to live out my purpose. It's the why. The why always pushes forward my what. Why do I do what I do? See, the what is we go to church, right? Everybody goes to church. That's the what. We know we're supposed to go to church. Everybody goes to the next steps. Somebody knows we're supposed to go. Pastor says it. It's on the video announcement. Ashley says it. Why do we say it three times? Because nobody listens. (laughs) I know we said three times, and they said it the same way. And I bet you still don't know what we said. The what is the dream team? I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna be a part of. I'm gonna do it. It's not the question of the what. The question is why do we do what we do? Think about this. Let, let me just ask you this question: Why do you go to church? Oh, okay. Love God was you know connected some of you probably didn't thought about it some of you think i go to church because my wife drags my butt to church (laughs) i right i go to church because because i feel guilty right if i got if i go to church enough maybe i'll be good enough okay so your why is built on the wrong foundation it will never sustain your what you will transplant out of this church because your why is not right why do you go to small groups? Our oh, pastor said it's great. It's awesome. Someone invited me. It's awesome. You know, I, I heard this group and I thought I'd check it out. That's awesome. But that won't keep you there. Yeah. Like that gets us there, but what is your why to go to small groups? So, so, so the why to go to small groups because you need to experience freedom. Yeah. So if you recognize, I am jacked up. I think it is amazing. You know, I feel like I'm healthier than I've ever been. Like, I'm a little crazy, but I'm healthier than I've ever been. And I feel more messed up than I've ever been. I mean, I don't know if it's just 40-something. Like, we're all having 40 midlife crisis, Like, we're all 40s. 40s? We well, ain't there yet. We oh, Steph just turned 40. I turned 42. Phyllis is 41. But you thought, man, I came from a normal house. I'm, my parents are together. We were raised in church. Like, good Lord, how screwed up could I be? And you recognize, man, I am pretty jacked. I just want you to know as you're faster, I'm not perfect, and I'm pretty messed up. So thank you for following me. Like, we're all going to get healthy together. And it's interesting. Like, I started counseling three years ago. Best decision I ever made. If you're not in counseling, you need to be in counseling. Phyllis and I have determined we're going to work on our marriage. So you're glad that we're working on our marriage because we're better because of it. Um, we would spend a weekend in uh, Colorado. Everybody saw our Instagram and they're like, oh, you're on vacation. No, we were on a marriage counseling week long retreat so we could be healthy for you, for you. And and I thought when I left there, I, and in fact, I was telling the, the guys like, man, I am just I don't realize how messed up we become because of the sin of this world. And it can come from a good house, but the lie of the enemy is pierced into our hearts that then begin to cause us to love unlike Jesus, and we have to untrain ourselves. And what I recognize is I go to small groups because I got men that need freedom, but I lead them because I need freedom. That's my why. Like like you go to next steps because God created me for a purpose and with a purpose and it's not because pastor keeps telling me it's because I've got to have a reason to live Like, God, you designed me so if I can uncover that, then maybe I can come alive with purpose. And and so, God, and then you begin to serve on the dream team, not because there is a need. Now, there are needs, and we need you. We need you. And let me say it again. We need you to come engage because we're reaching the lost. We're reaching this city. We're reaching. But the truth is, if it's just because we need you, the problem with that is your foundation is wrong, and you will eventually not be here because your why is wrong. So it's not just about the purpose. It's the why. Why? Because I get to see people go from death to life. Why? Because Jesus saved me. 1230 at night, February seventh, two 2003. Why do I do this church? Because he saved me. I didn't ask to be a pastor. I just said, God, put me in. Where do you want me to play? Where do you want me to go? And he called us to this. And so I said, God, I'm going to do it. My why is because I want everyone to experience what we've experienced. So guess what? When it's tough, I'm not quitting. Why? Because more people need Jesus think about that what is the, because I tell you the storms of life come but they don't affect us like they used to like even Phyllis and I, I don't know if you know our story we were planted in the same church for 24 years 24 someone said well what's the fruit of it I mean it was it was the flags and it was the and it's funny I was talking to the pastor's son we had lunch he pastors a great church uh, just outside of Houston we were talking they said you know it's interesting we came out of that but we're not charismatic well why would God put me in a charismatic church when I'm not charismatic because he had some stuff he wanted to build in me and he knew that that soil had the nutrients that I needed so I would be a cedar of Lebanon that I would be a palm tree regardless of whether or not it felt like what I needed, God knew that's what I needed he had me with parents that said we're not leaving, doesn't matter if pastor talks to us or not, doesn't matter if people love us or not, God called us to Triumph Church in Nederland, Texas and we are staying here until God takes us to another assignment and it's interesting because some of them say, well, I want to you know, it ain't about what you want. God knows what you need. And that's why you got to be planted, planted. How, how do you not get burned out? You get planted. And I would say this tonight. The last part for you, which many of you, I feel like you're planted. I do think that God really spoke to me. Some of you need to have the resolve. You got to say there are no ifs this then that there are no caveats to god well god it's no no it's got to be an ultimate surrender this is my church or it's not and let me just be very honest with you if this is not your church i'm asking you to go find your church why because i care more about you than attendance i need you to be healthy if you're here and this ain't your place you're not even gonna be healthy so, But I believe a lot of you, I believe most of you, if not all of you, this is your church. So you just got to resolve. Hell or high water, I'm staying. People acknowledge me or not, I'm staying. There's no ultimatums, God. This is my church. I'm planting. This is me. I'm going to grow tall because my, this is the reality. It's your family. It's your friends. It's your neighbors. It's your coworkers. There is a world that is dying and needs cedars of Lebanon and palm trees that will flourish in the midst of a crazy, chaotic world. And then there are those of you, listen, you know this is your church. You're not going anywhere. What I need you to do is go back to your why. Because we get kind of burned out. You know, it goes back to the what. And, and we're a church of doers. Listen, I'm a D. Steph's a D. Like, I, I know we get stuff done. That's why the hurricane happened. Harvey ain't had nothing on us, baby. We do it. We did a warehouse. I mean, why? Because that's what we do. But if you don't have your why then what will eventually happen is you'll lose your way. If I don't have my why, I'll eventually lose my way. I need some of you to grab your why back. Why do I? Why? Why am I leading? Why am I in a small group? I don't know. Okay, but well that's great. Wrestle with it. Why? Why do I do it? Because if you don't have the right foundation, the enemy's going to pull you out. And listen, that goes for my young people, too. All my youth in here. I'm so glad to have the youth. Isn't it good to have the youth in here tonight? You got to resolve. This is my church. I'm a part of the dream team. I'm a part of what God's doing here. Listen, you're not the future. You're the now. Resolve in your heart that I'm your pastor. This is your church. This is your vision. We're going to pass the baton on We ain't ain't holding this on forever. We're waiting to raise you up and launch you out. You got a world to change. You got people to see lives saved. And we're going to empower. We're going to create a debt-free church with campuses that we're going to pass off to the next generation. And we're going to say, launch, baby. Go, baby. Go reach the world. So I need you to be planted. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I sense the deep work that you are doing Not only in my life, but in this church. God, we celebrated six years, and it's been amazing. But God, I sense us going deeper. I sense us putting roots in the ground that will sustain the growth that you want. Not not numerically, like that will take care of itself. But God, individually, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, God, every aspect of our life, we're asking you to help us. Lord, I know there are some in here. Lord, there just needs to be a, a moment of just repentance. Like, God, I'm sorry. I put conditions on this, and I said I would do it if. And, and then right now, if that's you, this is why I said, I'm not going to ask you to stand up raise your hand. Up. But I would ask you just to respond and say, God, I surrender. I see doesn't have the power to transplant itself. And you got to say, God, my life is a seed to be planted in the soil that you want me to plant in. And you just say, God, I'm sorry. I've gone. I, Because really what that is, if I could just be honest, that's a defense mechanism from pain that you've experienced in the past. Someone hurt you. And so you said, if that ever happens again, I'm leaving. And what God wants you to know is that he has you right now, even if that does happen. He's working in you. He's healing your heart. That that pain has to be healed so that you can take people on the journey that he's calling you to lead people on. So you just say, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. God, I give it all to you. Some of you, you need to ask God for discipline. You're overwhelmed, and the truth is it just hasn't been the discipline of, God, I'm going to get a little bit better. God, I'm going to take steps. Some of you, it's financially. Some of you, it's maybe next steps. You hear it every week. You've been like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Now is the time. Go next week. Go this Sunday. Get in a small group. Pray. Read your Bible. Listen to worship. Whatever it is God's speaking, you've got to say, I'm going to take that step towards you in discipline. Some of you, listen, it's the why. Maybe you got to uncover your purpose, but I believe a lot of you have already been through the process, and now you just got to go back to the why. Some of you have been burned out. When I said the title, you thought, ha, huh, okay, God, sure figures you had me here tonight. Of course you would. And what you got to do is just go back and say, God, I'm sorry for allowing myself to just get burned out because the truth is when we are planted in the streams of God, he will not allow us to get burned out. And we've got to say, God, I go back to the why. God, I, I, I just help me to re-engage and what I would say is process through the pain of the burnout, but re-engage your life through the process. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, a special work in our hearts and in our lives and Lord, I'm asking you to move in a supernatural way. Lord, healing and hope and health. Do something in us, God. We worship you. We praise you.